It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to the newest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number for calls a little bit later in the show is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat for you folks out there on social media. We will take your questions if you have them. Thank you so much for being with us. But as we do every Thursday before home games, we get to talk to former Giants Super Bowl champion and quarterback Phil Sims in the Sims Spotlight. Presented by Bigelow Tea. Grab your mug and tea proudly. Phil, you got John Schmelk and Paul Dottino here uh, in New Jersey. How are you today? Uh, excuse me. I am doing very well, guys. Good to talk to you. And, uh, yes, good to hear the name Bigelow Tea, of course. Uh, I don't drink a lot of uh, tea. I drink too much tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, tea, I got to tell you. a lot of people onto it, so it's great. And, uh, Look, great to talk to you guys, and it's kind of good for me to do this. Uh, I like doing it, of course, talking to you guys. But quite honestly, in my what I do for a living, the Giants are usually not part of it. You know, we cover <laughs> both the AFC and all that, so we don't get a chance to cover the Giants a lot. And so now, you know, I watch their games every week, and it's it's just been great to be be part of watching the Giants, and of course. Watching games on TV more than ever, Tampa Bay, and just, man, you know, I didn't pick anything up and throw it, but wow, it was there, whatever, so uh, it didn't happen, but it's, it's, it's just great to be a fan, too. Yeah, Phil, no question about it, and we are entering prime uh, tea season, by the way, with the rainy weather, the cold, the cold, the cold outside, this is like prime tea season for the folks out there at Bigelow. You got it. All right. No question. So, all right. <sighs> Where do you have you seen the most improvement, Phil, over the last couple of weeks? You mentioned the close loss to Tampa. We haven't talked to you since that game, and then they go out beat Washington for the second time for the second win of the year. Where have you seen the most improvement from this Giants team the last couple of weeks? Well, I think that you, you know every week it, it progresses, and and I say that as a being very objective um, that the offensive line uh, just running the football last week. You know, like I had to keep watching. Oh, wait. They're, they're, this is a pretty good defensive front they were going against. And I thought the Giants, of course, we all know that. They ran the ball well. They were consistent. You know, the reverse. Yeah. I always learned, and I'm sure Jason Garrett ran a reverse early in the game because he worked under Norv Turner as a player. And Norv Turner says anytime you go on the road and you think the other team's emotional, do something to get them early. In other words, because they're going to overplay, hustle, we're all emotional reverses, screens, or even a trick play, things like that. But uh, that, and just once again, I think the defense is just showing that the coaching, the talent is starting to show more and more. But they they did some things defensively that, uh, that were impressive and kept the, kept the Washington football team, you know, a little bit off balance. Phil, I'm a little curious as to what you would do with the running back situation. They've averaged 140 yards a game on the ground over the past four weeks, and now they've got a decision to make because Alfred Morris is on the practice squad. If you bring him up a third time, he has to be on the 53. So they've got a roster quandary there, given that Devontae Freeman is supposed to be practicing in full today coming off of a sprained ankle. So how would you deal with the running backs, knowing also that Goldman looked very good last week? Yeah, that's a great point, Paul. I, I don't know. I can't look at that roster like you guys can and decide. I know this. Alfred Morris looked good, and, and he's big. He made it look easy. Good decision-maker patient, powerful, all that. So that's that's one of those things you say, we got a good problem here. And um, how they decide to work it out, I really can't give you an answer, but it, it's a good problem to have. I thought Alfred Morris was, you know, I, I was just really impressed. And Wayne Gallman has really got the hang of it. You know, I guess it's like anything. You, you need repetitions at doing something to get better at it. Practice, whatever, that's great. But you have to do it in the game to get those repetitions. 
and the giant run game is starting to show that. It, it's it's great. And you know, I know what we're all thinking. At least I do. Okay, now say Saquon Barkley was there. Okay, and then we had these runs here. What would have happened? And you know, of course, you think nothing but something beyond what we've seen. But really good by the Giants' offensive line. Uh, and once again, the defense. Here's what I love. It's like an epidemic in the NFL right now. I'm watching the Miami Dolphins, the Arizona Cardinals. Let me tell you what, the Miami Dolphins, they are intimidating as heck on defense because they just line up more people than you can block almost every play. And they're just daring you, whatever. But the Giants did it last week, too. It, it's If you're an offense, and, you know, I'm not a coach, so the answer might be easier to not look at it. But everybody now is lining up a bunch of people than you can block at the line of scrimmage. And a lot of times it's just a four-man rush. But the problem is, which four is it? Yeah. And it, it's confusing teams right and left. All the good teams. I saw, um, you know, last week uh, the Carolina Panthers do it against the Kansas City Chiefs, who, you know, they've seen it all. And they had free runners. And it's just uh, it's an interesting aspect of the NFL. That's, it's another trend, uh, but it's really cool. And I'm glad I didn't see it when I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's, there's got to be some keys to it. And I've tried to figure out the keys. I kind of got an idea of how Miami is doing it because they got that from New England, and I studied them so much that I knew what they were doing. It's very complicated, to be honest. And uh, it's, it's, it's making life tough for quarterbacks, offensive linemen especially, because there's the slightest hesitation by an offensive lineman goes from having a perfect pass block to the guy getting the edge on you and hitting the quarterback. So it's it's something I noticed. I thought the Giants did it well last week. And uh, once again, the offense showed a little more diversity. And uh, everything was in a great spot, and that's why the Giants won. You know, you know what, though, Phil? Bill just would have said, Sims, come on, just run the play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're too kind. He wouldn't have said it exactly like that. <laughs> But, oh, oh, no, no. You know, the one thing with Bill, he was super, super meticulous about certain things. Clock management, you know, doing everything, having the number, right number of people on the field. I mean, oh, the Jets. Not to get on the Jets. I'm not. And I say this publicly, and I said it on TV, and I'm going to say it this Sunday if I get a chance. The end of the game, they got lucky, 12 men for the field goal. That can't happen. Bill Parcells had a great quote once. I said, oh, man, why are we sitting down here on a Saturday for an hour just going over who's going to go in if L5 gets hurt and all this? He goes, and he ripped me. He goes, Sims, these owners can do two things. And I'm like, okay, what? He goes, they can see if the stands are full, and they can count to 11. You got me? (laughs) (laughs) And I go, really good. Point. But the clock management by the Jets offense at the end of the game, not to get in the Jets, I don't care. We're not talking about them, but it was awful, and that's why they lost the game. You know, Phil, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here, but you mentioned kind of bringing all those guys at the line of scrimmage. One thing that I've seen a lot from teams this year, and we saw the Giants do it, is that they'll line up those two inside linebackers kind of in that A-gap. And then, oh, yeah. and so the quarterback thinks come thinks something's coming up the middle. The running back and pass pro thinks something's coming up the middle. Then those guys at the snap will release into zone. Oh, but here comes the slot corner or the safety off the edge. As a quarterback, how do you make sure I know you the have play you're talking about? Yeah. yeah, I know the play you're talking about, and it was clever, and um, that was just well done. You know, Daniel Jones. I forgot what he did with the ball. He was lucky, right? He, did he get rid of it? Or the on the on the play you're talking about with the slot defender came. What, what no, you know what? No, no, I think that was the play where where he got hit blindsided, but he managed to hold on to it um, yeah, with the one hand. The That's ball. right. You're mm-hmm. right. Safety, you're right. the safety came, curled the rookie, plastered him. Yes, yeah, so off the slot. Yeah. So well, that's you know what? I remember thinking. I didn't write it. My notes just went. Wow, flying through the air, and he found a way to hold on to the ball. <laughs> you know, I know that feeling, and you just get done. You go. I didn't fumble. That was good. <laughs> Uh, but, because when you get blindsided in the NFL as a quarterback, the football usually is going to come out because it means it's going to be a solid, forceful hit. You're not expecting, even if you have two hands on the ball, it usually does come out. So that was a great job by Daniel Jones uh, hanging on to it. But that is, that's the new direction. I think more and more we're going to see it just cause, it's like offenses. 
It's shifting. We got the speed motion. We got this. We're doing. We got five wide receivers. Just everything. It's all just trying to give yourself a little edge. And now we see the defense is going. Okay, we can do this too. And um, it's really it's it's a it's a factor. And I've just watched a quarter of the Miami Dolphins play in Arizona so far, and I've seen six free guys wow. full speed running at Kyler Murray. They got him for the. A strip sack fumble one time, touchdown, and, you know, a couple times. Kyler Murray is unbelievable. He just outran the guy and got away from it. But uh, it's, it's, it's something to look for, for that you'll see, I think, by more and more teams as we go along. Phil, I want to ask you about the quarterback ball security issue for a second because in recent years, and I guess Peyton Manning might have been one of the early guys to do this, to wear that glove, the ticky-tack glove that has been so much improved over the years on his left hand, and that even Eli started doing it his last couple of years, and he said it helped him grip the ball better and hold on to it better in the pocket. We haven't seen Daniel Jones try the glove. What is your opinion on quarterbacks using the left-handed glove? Well, if that's why you do it and it works, it's a great thing. Um, I don't know if I could have done it just because I, you know, one hand would feel so much different from the other as I put my two hands on the ball to throw it. That's, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud that it, that it probably would bother me a little bit. And uh, listen, Daniel Jones not having a turnover last week was huge. Huge for the perception of Daniel Jones for his confidence, and now maybe he can go three, four, five games without any turnovers, which would be great. And that's what happens. I got in turnover binges many times in my career, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I just go, man, it was all I was thinking about during the game. I'm going to play this so damn careful and be so whatever to make sure I don't get a turnover. And I told you, what was after the game, the first question, well, you didn't turn it over, Phil. <laughs> That's right. And we also won, if you just want to know, my man. Right. And I, I, can, I can remember the reporter said it to me. His name was Dave Klein, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> Phil, it's funny. It's, you, you know, you mentioned his ball protection, Phil, and I don't think enough people have talked about this to me. And and look, Jones did have the have the two fumbles. He recovered one of them. But to me, a big reason why maybe he was a little bit more careful with the football, especially on his throws, the Giants played with the lead. I mean, when you're up twenty to three, it's a lot easier to take a sack or throw a ball away because the quarterback's not feeling that pressure that, oh, man, it's a tie game in the fourth. Oh, man, we're down a score or two. I need to make a play here. When you can get a lead like that, doesn't it make it a little bit easier on the quarterback to be a little bit more conservative with the ball? Well, it should, and he should be thinking about that. He should be told that by probably the head coach, the coordinator and quarterback coach. Hey, man, you know, look, we're, we're up. What was the biggest lead? Twenty was it twenty three to three? Twenty to three at halftime. Seventeen. Twenty to three. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know we're up, so let's let's be smart. Uh, you know, so you you, and as he gets older, he won't have to be told that. It's about managing the game and knowing everything about it, and and a lot of times managing it is because you're taught a certain way, and you know, and it's 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 not easy, but to make mistakes and egregious mistakes like you're talking about when you have a big lead. Really, that's uncalled for, and you're going to take a lot of heat from it, and deservedly so. And I know all these things as I talk about it because because I did it, <laughs> and um, you know I did. And it's it's. But as my career went along, I will admit I really became very cognizant of situations. Like Ray Perkins once told me, and I never forgot it my whole career. When you're between the 40s, don't worry about it. Hang on to the ball, move, do whatever you got to, and don't worry if you take a sack because we're going to punt. It's not going to really affect the punt. We're still going to get it where we want it. And I just went, well, that's a great thought. So, you know, it's third and eight from your own 45. You take a sack, big deal. We're still going to punt it inside the 15 or 10-yard line easily. So uh, things like that are, you know, you learn over time, and if you keep emphasizing them, it becomes part of who the quarterback is, that's for sure. Yeah, Phil, I want to follow up with a fan question because this one came in from A.J. Marshall, and it is uh, related to what we were just talking about. And I have a feeling you probably don't like this word, and I always like to get you out on one of your tangents. It's fun. Oh, uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, I, won't go into, I won't go into a rant. Go ahead. Do what you consider Daniel Jones to be a game manager or something more than that? Uh, well, it, it, I don't have to think about it. But first off, let's, let's put this game manager in – 
yeah, I want him to be a game manager. We just talked about it. It's 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 part of the job. You know, it, it Drew Locke in in, in um, Denver. I talked about him earlier today, and I just said he's got to understand the whole scope of the game a little more because to him, he can't see a 50-yard throw that he doesn't want to try. When the guy is open for 10 yards underneath, and we're going to take a shot because that's so manage the game and, and wait for it to come to you. And but Daniel Jones, no, his running. Again, as many times I've said it, that he does have what I call a really good NFL arm. I think he's very accurate. Uh, I will complain about one thing, as I've noticed over the weeks, over the weeks, but just something. Don't drift when you throw. Plant that damn foot and throw it and show off what you really got. And, again, through time, he's probably got, it, got gotten into a few habits that you'd want to break because he's been under pressure. And, you know, there's too much surrounding him, especially early in the year. It's getting better. So you know, it's retrain yourself to stand there and step and do all the things you do and go at that target and drive the ball even more. And the, what will that do? It lets you throw it into tighter spots. Uh, it, it's Now the ball has a little more speed on it, it where it gets past defenders, gives the receiver just a split second more of time to move with it once they catch it. I talk to receivers all the time. I talked to Brandon Marshall on Inside the NFL. Brandon, do you want a quarterback who, you know, that throws this way, or do you want the guy that can really rip it and put it? You go, oh, man, I, look, Phil, you can't get the ball in your hand fast enough. And I said, that's what I thought, you know. So there is a big difference, and it means something to these receivers. And I, 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 he drifts sometimes when he throws, when he doesn't have to, because he's done it so much, he's good at it. But I would like to see him stand there and just really let it go. Another fan, uh, Lisa, on Twitter, Phil, wants to know, as a longtime Giants fan, says it's discouraging to see the team play competitively yet not be able to win close games. What do you think the Giants can do to turn it around? Now, I preface this by also saying they won a close game last weekend against Washington with a couple of late interceptions. And, of course, Philadelphia stole a win from the Giants down at the link a month ago, yet the Eagles are going to be much healthier for this game this weekend. Uh, yes. You know, I would say as a Giant fan, and, and I, I do mean this too, of course, be encouraged. It, it, man, the signs are all pointing upwards. They really are. And um, I, I see certain players. You know, I'm watching Leonard Williams. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Oh, man, you know, they re, what, what are they doing getting Leonard Williams? Oh, you, you're paying him. And, but, man, his, his effort, it looks awesome. You know, he's got the body that kind of, you know, nimble flexible body to be a, a good pass rusher and run stopper. He's a disruptor, things like that. But um, they're, 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 it's like the Miami Dolphins last year. I said it after six weeks. They're going to win games, and I love what they're doing. Uh, you know, they disassembled the team, got draft picks, got money, and now look where they are. And I think they have a chance to win the AFC East. So, and, and by the way, Phil, like they, the, by, by, Phil, by the way, they have a million draft picks this year, too, to get even better, which is really more oh, impressive. Oh, I know. Yeah, they got – I think they have – Two ones, two twos, three, four, five, two sixes. I, I did all this already looking at them, just going, oh, my gosh. But you know what they did? They gave themselves money, and they went out, and they absolutely knocked it dead in free agency. They did not miss. Kyle Van Noy, Landon Roberts, guys he knew. Byron Jones, a corner from Dallas, who never played like this in Dallas that he's playing now. Because he's being taught differently. Shaq Lawson, he was okay in Buffalo, but he wasn't great. Now he looks like a damn superstar. <laughs> and another guy, Emmanuel, I'm just going over a list uh, yesterday and going, my gosh, they hit on everything. And that's really what it kind of takes. But but the Giants absolutely are trending up. I love the, the way they, you know, are showing they're not making those big mistakes mentally. You know, physically is a different thing. But the defense is playing; it's hustling, very disciplined, everything you'd want to see. So that, so instead of looking at it, oh, we could have won a few more games. It's not about winning five games, four games, or six games this year, whatever it is. It's about really building, building some confidence, building the talent, the system, 
And then really next year, you want to see those results if you're a fan. Final question, Phil. i got to ask you about the Philly game this weekend. Paul mentioned it. They're much healthier. I imagine as a quarterback, yep. you watch Carson Wentz, you must want to just plant your face into the wall sometimes with some of the crazy <laughs> stuff that he tries. But uh, oh. uh, your thoughts on Giants well, yeah, and Eagles it, on it, Sunday? Well, you said it. Carson Wentz never seen a play that he doesn't want to take to the end of the earth, that's for sure. <laughs> and he was, he was at truly like – Oh, he was great, I thought, against the Giants. I thought he made, when down there in Philadelphia, he made six or seven just big-time throws that, you know, the defenders, I, they had to go, are you kidding me? I mean, there was a window so tight, but whatever. But he did play out of control through an unbelievably horrendous interception. He takes sacks when it's just, you know, he shouldn't. I think he is. He will, he's coming out of that. I think you'll see a different quarterback this weekend from them. And, you know, look, I think the Eagles are a sneaky, really good team for sure. I think you guys know that too. When you got – when they line up, they are what Dave Gettleman wants. I mean, they just – they're monsters. I mean, monsters. When they have everybody healthy, their front seven and their offensive line is it, – it's what you want to see in an NFL team. For all we say and all we talk, oh, the quarterback, the quarterback. Man, it's about the most powerful and most physical team wins football games. They give all the other guys the chances to be the superstars. We don't pay attention enough to the, to the big guys. And the Eagles, they have that. And they got a little attitude, too. So uh, it's going to be a really tough contest for the New York Giants. This is, a, this is definitely a step up from what they played this past weekend. Phil, really appreciate the time as always. Great insight, great stuff. We got the bye next week. We'll enjoy that, and we'll talk to you a couple weeks when the Giants are back in action. Thanks, Phil. Okay, very good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff. And, um, you, you know, I, I get a little nervous talking to you guys because you're, you know every little single thing about the New York Giants. You know, I'm watching it from a different perspective. So the fact that you're calling up plays, I go, oh, I know that play. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of fun. Keeps me on my toes, and it's, it's just great to talk to you. So have a good day. Hey, you too, Phil. Well, Thank Phil. you so much. Okay, guys. And, and, and the beauty thing about talking to Phil, by the way, is that we know he watches all the film, so we don't feel scared oh, about no. asking him about specific well, we plays and stuff like that. All, no, we don't. And, <laughs> and by the way, it's funny. I was just asking in general because I've seen other teams do that too, Paul. I've seen the Giants do that. I think yeah. they got one oh, of their sure. I think they got one of their DB sacks when they did that double mug and they you know pulled the linebackers back and they brought the, the, the DB. And I, I really wasn't even asking about the specific play. I just wanted to know how a quarterback kind of deals with you know setting up protection in a situation like that. And he brought it back to the Jones play. So you know having Phil on is great. And by the way, I should mention that the Sim Spotlight was presented by Bigelow T. Grab a mug and tea proudly. But it's always good to have Phil on, uh, Paul. He, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's totally awesome. And John, to even make your point more general, because you definitely hit on something, as Phil explained, you see more and more teams going with more and more variables in terms of guys even putting their hands in the dirt or hand, or standing up. A lot of stand-up rushers at the line, no question. It's, coming, it's, it's, it's become an epidemic now, and I don't mean that lightly. I'm not trying to be funny or making a pun, but that's what it's become in the league nowadays. You are, you are seeing many, many of instances where guys only maybe have one or two linemen with their hands down and everybody else is standing up. Well, Paul, it's, you he, know, he, it's just the way of the league. Here's the thing with offenses becoming so explosive, not running as much passing all the time. These are the type of new things that defense can do now because you're you worried about what's funny because you're worried about, about having guy. everyone standing up at the line. They'll just run it on you. Well, if these teams aren't running it, then that's not a worry anymore. I'm going to tell you what's really, really funny about that. I'm down in the press room, the old dungeon at giant stadium, Bill Parcells, 1983, his first year as a coach, Giants went 3-12-1, and won, my first year covering this team. And Bill is sitting there, and he's talking about how things are starting to change now with these quarterbacks who are starting to throw the ball a lot. Yeah, back in 83, folks. That's 1983. Almost... Bill Parcells. That this is, is almost one of the reasons why 40 years ago. Guy... 40 yeah. years ago. Yeah, almost. Yeah, 38 years. This is one of the reasons why I put this guy on such a pedestal. So I'm, I'm, I'm my first year covering the team. I'm young. I'm green. I'm trying to learn a lot about the game and about coaching and players and all this stuff. And Bill's sitting there, and he goes, fellas, and he sits back at his chair at the head of the table, and he's got his <laughs> cigarette in his right hand, as he always used to have. And he goes, fellas, you know, I'm telling you, you know what you're going to see? You know, with the way we use Taylor, you know, we, we, we use him in that 3-4, and we're sending He goes, 
what you're going to see. And he goes, I don't know how many years it's going to be, but it's going to come sometime soon. You're going to see these teams going with two down linemen mm. and five linebackers. And you're going to see guys standing up all over the place and pass rushing from everywhere. I'm telling you, well, that's the way it's going to happen. It's going to be. I don't know when, but it's going to happen in a few years. Now, the problem is that the linebackers are all 230 pounds now, so you can't, you can't, you can't really <laughs> yeah. do that now. You know, back then, you know, Carl Banks is like 265. It isn't well, quite know, like that funny, anymore. John, <laughs> in, in those days, you were either a 4-3 or a 3-4, period. Yeah. You never even dreamt about having two guys down, and it was in the, the Super Bowl twenty-five game against the Bills. When Belichick decided they're going to go with two down linemen and, and extra guys in, in, in the back and LT and Pepper Johnson and Banks and those guys would just sneak up to the line. And that actually, if you go back and look at that Super Bowl 25 against Buffalo, you will see the defenses that they're playing today on almost a regular basis. That was a unique anomaly back when Belichick and Parcells employed it against Jim Kelly and the K-Gun offense. That's what made those guys geniuses. That's why they're so revered by people like me. Well, and the K-Gun offense is a lot like what the offenses are running today, so it makes sense, right? You it. You're going to you see it. a lot of those, those, those same things. By the way, folks, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. It is part of the New York Giants podcast network, which is presented by Investors Bank. Make sure you go check it out on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and your favorite podcast platforms. Okay, let's open up the phones at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. Get on the line and we'll talk some football with you and some Giants football. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He will join us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Scotty. Hey, hey guys. How you doing today? What's up, Scott? Hi. Um... Interesting. I was inter- interested in conversation with uh, Phil Sims. Right now, the total QBR rating for Daniel Jones is 21st in the league after the nine games. Okay, that sounds about right. Quarter- Let me tell you the quarterbacks that are worse than he is. Joe Burrow, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Cam Newton, and the guy we're going to play on Sunday, Carson Wentz. Okay. And if you look at the quarterbacks just slightly above Daniel, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger, and the MVP of the league is only 17th in total QBR, Lamar Jackson. So when you when you look at the whole thing in totality, there is there are reasons why Daniel is struggling. Yet he's not on teams that are winning, uh, and the, some of these quarterbacks are. And I think there's a reason why this is happening, and I just wanted to go over it with you and get your perspective. Well, well, Scott, I would say first and foremost, wins is not a quarterback stat. <laughs> I, th- I think that's right. the, the real no, reason, no, but go ahead. I agree. Yeah, yeah, so go ahead. Right. But uh, ESPN, and, and I know Paul hates analytics, so <laughs> I'm going to keep it really short, uh, but they did a metric which tells how often a pass rusher is able to beat his block within 2.5 seconds. Yep, the win rate, they and call then, it. And, yeah, and then likewise, they did a pass block win ratio, which mm-hmm. conveys the rate which linemen can sustain their block for 2.5 seconds or longer. In both categories, the Giants are dead last. That sounds about and right. Then, that might explain why the offense is struggling because they can't sustain the blocks that are necessary well, for Daniel Jones. Well, Scott, I, I mean, I mean, Scott, I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but we've been kind of saying on the show for three weeks that the Giants have had to adjust their offense to protect their offensive line, and that's one of the reasons they can't take so many right. shots down the field, and they have to limit Correct. what they do. So I, I think you're 100% right. Please also take into account the level of competition. And John did a real good job, I guess it was a week or two ago, and it's just been reinforced. Look at the teams that are at the top of the pass rush list in the NFL, and you will find they happen to also be on the Giants' schedule, and they play (laughs) practically every one of the top five in the first half of the season. But but one of the problems that I think Phil was addressing was, you know, these late fourth-quarter give-ups by the defense. You know some of the other teams that are that are leading in that category? Kansas City, Green Bay, and you know who the worst in the league is in giving up fourth quarter points? No, Three who? Do you know? No, I do not offhand. Seattle. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. They're giving up 12.5. They give up 465 yards 
a game, and uh, the Giants are somewhere around 360. Now, I would, I would, I would be careful, by the way, with, with, with Kansas City there because they've had a bunch of blowouts, mm-hmm. and they probably yeah, right. go into and prevent defense correct. mode in that fourth quarter, and a lot of those yards come in those spots, I would bet. But, I don't but, know. I haven't checked but it, here, but I would bet. Right, but here's my issue. The Giants are averaging right now about 18.7 points per game, which is 31st in the league. I wanted to get your perspective, and then I'll take your, your answers off the air. Yes. They have to get to somewhere around, I would say, 22 to 23 or average 22 to somewhere between 22 and 24 points per game to really be competitive. So my, my basic question to you guys, is defense as important as scoring? Because if you look at those other teams that are giving up a lot of yardage, the one thing Kansas City, Green Bay, and Seattle have is they have tremendous offenses. And the Giants, with some of the discussions with Alfred Morris and so forth, and having a running tech, which I agree with, is extremely important. What, are, what is the missing link? I know Evan Ingram is struggling. I think he has, uh, he's been targeted 64 uh, passes, but he's a weapon, uh, and he needs to up his game because he has to be, uh, the teams have to, you know, make sure that they cover him because he's such a dynamic player. So what's missing? What's the missing link that will increase the giant total so that they can get to the level and sustain that for a whole game offensively because I think their line is improving. So what, what do you see in the Giants' future to increase the offensive okay. side so they can be competitive for the rest of the season? Thanks, guys. Good, Scott, good question. And I think, frankly, you hit on a lot of salient points there that actually all, that all make a, a ton of sense. So where can we start here, Paul? I mean, I, I think <laughs> – I think where it starts is giving that offensive line a little bit more trust. Now, I will say this as well. I'm not sure this is the week to do that. <laughs> Going up against the Eagles pass rush, which is really, really good. And they're awesome at isolating guys in one-on-one situations. Like, if you're going to rotate in Shane Lemieux, do I want him isolated one-on-one with Fletcher Cox for more than like a second and a half? No, probably not. I don't. Okay. So I, I will pass on that. He might not want that either. No, I don't think he does. I don't think anyone wants that except for Fletcher Cox. So <laughs> I think maybe once you get past the bye, Paul, and you get into those games against, I think the three games after the bye, if I'm not mistaken, are, I don't have the schedule in front of me here at home. Well, Cincinnati, is, is Cincinnati and Seattle and Arizona. Seattle, that's what I thought it was, right. And what do those three teams have in common? Not a great pass rush. None of them have good pass rushes. None of them. All three. They don't have the, uh, Batman or Robin, really. They're, they're kind of in the, in, in the same situation the Giants are in terms of their pass rush. So I think once you get to those games, maybe you can start doing a couple more five-step drops, maybe a couple seven-step drops, and let Jones really try to attack defenses down the field a little bit. I do think this week it's going to be a little bit tough to do against Philly. I would only point to two things, and I know this is really an oversimplification, but Scott was looking for some answers, so I'm going to try to help him out a little bit. You look at the Giants' third down conversion rate, and it's just it's just unacceptable, to be honest. They're just a little bit over 41%. And, you know, I think with— Where's that rank, Paul? Do you have 19. that in front of you? 19? Okay. 19. I think you, you want that to be somewhere in the vicinity of 12, 10 to 12. I don't think you want it to be on the second half of the league. You want it to be in the top half for sure. And I know you're saying, well, 15 to 19 doesn't make a lot of difference. Yeah, but you know what? When you get near, when you can start sniffing 12, top 10, now you're talking. And so I think they would certainly like that. Now, Lance is always a good one for saying, hey, third down and long, you got too many of those. Well, how do you wind up with a lot of those? Well, I don't know what what the league stats say based on some of the analytics folks, but I've got the Giants down for something like two dozen drops so far this year. I can tell you what PFF has for them, but I I believe they do lead the league according to most of the analytics sites. But I I can check that for you. I did see a story the other day, John, that said for the percentage of throws that Daniel Jones has made, the Giants have the most drops in the league. Yep, I saw that too. Percentage of throws. Okay, PFF has the Giants for 21 drops this year. Yeah, I think I have 23 on my. So, on about my the chart. same, same difference. Well, yeah. And, and to be frank with you, that's a problem. Yeah, it is. And because, you know, and, and people my, like my dad will say to me, well, do you think a third, third down drop is more critical than a first down drop? And my comeback to him is no, not necessarily. Because what if that first round drop, your first down drop, was for eight or nine yards? Even if it's a short pass, it sets you up in second and one. 
or second and two. Heck, even, even if it's a four or five yard pass, second and five is be. much different than second and ten. It certainly can be. And so I understand that the third down drops draw a lot of attention because we see them and they're the most obvious because now it sets up a punt. But the truth is, all of these drops have been painful. And, you know, I I think if they could do better with both of those things, their third down percentage and their drops, you would see more points. I I think, John, you'd have to... You'd have to, again, again, look at this a little more closely. But over the last five games, and I know they had the defensive score with Crowder's touchdown, but the Giants have averaged 25 points a game, haven't they, over the last five games? Uh, I'd have to look at it, but yes. And, that and that's right. an acceptable number for me. Mm-hmm. Now, they've been helped by some turnovers in those games, too. And I yes, think that also has hurt their defense. Some of those turnovers deep in their own territory have given opposing teams some points. Um, a couple things that I want to add to from what Scott said about the defensive side of the ball in terms of giving up points in the fourth quarter. And this goes back to a stat that I pointed out before the year, Paul, that I thought was essential that the team had to improve on, and that's passing yards allowed per play. And last year they were in the bottom, you know, I think, eighth of the league, something like that. They were ranked 29th or 30th or 31st. Right. Well, this year they started off pretty good, but they've slipped a little bit. They're all the way down to 23rd now and pass yards allowed per play. And I think we're seeing the limitations in coverage, and Patrick Graham was asked about this today during his press conference, Paul, and he basically said, yeah, look, we're, we're, he didn't say it in these words, but my analysis of it was pretty simple, that we have guys that we can't really play a ton to man-to-man with, so we're going to play zone. I mean, that, that, right. that's pretty much right. what he said, right? So they've played a lot of zone. I think teams are starting to figure out how to work that a little bit better and even move the ball without getting some of those big plays. Now, the Giants did miss some tackles last week, which led to some big plays, which you want to avoid. They did. The Yadam missed tackle was painful. Yes, and yeah, and, and obviously the one where, frankly, Yadam should have intercepted that ball to McLaurin if he's keeping his eye on the quarterback like he's supposed to. I would agree with you. Um, but yes, that, that missed tackle was bad. Uh, but again, 23rd in, 23rd in pass yards allowed per play is a little bit too high for me. And when you combine that, and a big reason for that is your lack of a pass rush and getting consistent pressure on the other team with with your four guys, and the Giants are loath to blitz because then all of a sudden you're man-to-man and you go back to the original problem that I brought up, right? So, you know, you sit there, and as long as that yards per pass play is sitting in the bottom quarter of the league, you're going to have some issues in the fourth quarter when other teams are, are trying to pass the ball on you. So that's just kind of the way it is until you get some better personnel rushing the passer and covering in the back end. I don't know how, yeah. if there's a way to avoid that. John, we knew that coming into the season they didn't have a Batman pass rusher. We talked about this going into the draft. It was just going to be very difficult to fill your other holes plus get that guy. And they're down and- to one. Paul, they had four guys that were supposed to split snaps. They're down to one. Right. So – so, you know, a month into the season, while we saw what Patrick Graham was trying to do schematically, and the Giants are, are in the top 10 in the NFL in team sacks defensively, so we can't complain about the number. But the problem is, and it really came to, 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 to clarity for me, a month into the season where we were seeing that without a Batman pass rusher, it is very difficult to stop another team when they are in must-pass mode, yep. running their two-minute drill at the end of the first half or at the end of a game. Yep. That's where the Batman pass rusher makes a huge difference, and when you don't have one, you make it very, very difficult for your defense to come up with a stop. Yeah, and again, you can blitz earlier in the game on early downs and surprise some teams and do it. It's very hard to do that when other teams are in must-pass situations because they can then knock you for those big plays, which at the end of games you want to try to avoid. So I'm with you 100%. I've been saying that too. This team is not designed to perform well when either they have to pass the ball and the other team knows they have to pass the ball because then what? Your offensive line is exposed. Or if you're on defense... Same deal, the pass rush to secondary. So that's when this team runs into trouble, I think, generally speaking, which is why, frankly, I asked a question to Phil about how important it was to play with the lead. I think that was a huge deal for why uh, the Giants were able to hold on and beat Washington because they got that early lead because of those two takeaways. Well, quite honestly, John, and and yes, they got the two interceptions on the final two Washington drives, but you can't count on those every week. No, you can't. So what it basically means is that if you're the Giants – and you know that the other team's two-minute drill is not going to be hampered 
by one of a Batman pass rusher who can make a play and stop and short circuit that drive to ice the game, what it basically means is you're going to be at nail biting time every single week unless you either have the ball and milk the clock out with like a four minute offense and bring that clock down to zero, okay, or you lead by more than eight points so that if the other team does attack you and you can't make that you know, game-clinching sack that you're going to be able to hold on and withstand their final assault. It's, it's a very difficult position to be in. Nah, I'm with you 100%. Want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Jonathan, Wisconsin has been holding patiently. We'll get to him next. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, how's it going? We're it's great. Hey, thank you for calling in. Hey, uh, so I have a couple things on uh, Joe Judge. Um, I think his the way he's coaching, it's like it surprises me because not a lot of coaches coach like that. How so? With the switching of the offensive linemen and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, I really think that that's building tendencies. You know, like let's say uh, a player he doesn't play all year because he's a rookie. Next year you put him in, he, you know, he, he's, uh, how you say, uh, let's say he, he takes a step back when the rusher is coming and then they take advantage of it like how Andrew Thomas is. And then they get to fix that on the go now because they have them actually playing in the game. Yeah, and I think Jonathan is actually funny. Joe Judge and I think Jason Garrett was asked about this today during their press conferences. And I think it was Garrett that answered the question. Basically said, look, we don't have like – set starters with a ton of experience on the offensive line. Zeitler's the one exception to that. He's been in the league a long time. You know, Will Hernandez is young. He was put on the COVID list. Fleming had never been a full-time starter before this year. And Thomas and Gates were basically virtually rookies at their spots. And Pert and Lemieux are rookies. So I think they rightly saw this, and they talked about this a lot this offseason, as a developmental year. And I think they want to make sure even if at the risk of causing some issues in games, and it hasn't so far, knock on wood, it won't in the future, you want to rotate these guys to get them experience to help your player development. And if this giant team wants to make a leap next year, it's not going to be the draft, it's not going to be free agency, it's going to be the development of the players already on the roster. And I think that's really a focus for them in their decision to operate that way. John, I agree with you. I really do. And the other thing is, think about what we said to you folks after the draft and the Giants had picked up the three offensive linemen during the selection process. And we all said, well, maybe Lemieux might have an opportunity to compete for the center spot. You know, you didn't know if it was going to be Jalapio or if it was going to be Gates. You just didn't have, you know, maybe it was going to be Pulley. We didn't know. right? We all kind of thought Pulley, with the experience, may have been the lead dog, you know, at the post. As it turned out, the coaching staff was thinking Gates all along. But the other surprise for, I think, all of us is that Matt Parrott was supposed to be a redshirt this year. And he has accelerated his development so quickly that he is finding some rotational snaps, which, uh, to perfectly frank with you, he's done incredibly well. He has. And he continues to earn more. And that was not supposed to be the case. Yep, that's true. And, uh... One more thing. Um, another thing with that that comes with it is that the other team has to now coach, you know, basically they have to watch film on all the offensive linemen. So they're not just, you know, having to pay attention to one. They have to pay attention to seven of them, you know, and I think that just takes time out of their day and hmm. it makes them think on the go, you know, and I think that's what Joe Judge wants. He wants the other teams to think a lot. That's why he switches offense in and puts the punter in right away or, you know, stuff like that. It makes them think and it makes them make mistakes. And I really, really like that about him. And uh, thanks for uh, taking my call, and I'll call back some other time. Thanks, Jonathan. Good stuff. Good to hear from you. Don't be a stranger. And, and Paul... It's funny, and we should mention, by the way, that Will Hernandez should be practicing today. He should be good to go. Joe Judge talked about working him in a little bit slowly just because he hasn't done much football activity in a couple of weeks. Is an issue. Correct. So I imagine he'll work in, but he basically said that both Lemieux and Hernandez could also get opportunities to work on the right side, which implies that Kevin Zeitler could be rotated in and out moving forward. So just another thing to keep in mind as you watch this team the next few weeks. 
You know what's funny, John? And you've heard me talk about this forever since we first started doing this show many, many years ago. I always said that matchups makes fights. And in boxing, you know, we always have matchups. And that becomes the primary way of trying to diagram what you think is going to happen. And football has become more and more like boxing. Every single year, matchups become more and more significant when you look at a particular game. And the Giants coaching staff relies very, very much, very heavily on matchups. They are hog-wild crazy about matchups. It really drives their decisions, and it's on both sides of the ball. Because you're right, when Judge was talking about these rotating of these offensive linemen, the the caller just alluded to it. I don't know if they're thinking necessarily that it gives the defenses more issues to have to prepare for guys, but I guess in a way that is kind of what a matchup problem is, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I think, look, it's a matchup sport, Paul. You know, you can scheme all you want. Eventually, you need your player to beat their player, right? Uh, And in the end— Bottom line, win your matchup. That's that's what it's going to come down to. And then scheming up—and a big part of what the coaches do now is scheming up your team to get those favorable matchups so your players can win those one-on-one matchups. Look, you can get away with it for a little while with creative play calling and scheme— um, you know, gaining yards and stuff like that. But eventually, these teams are too good. These coaches are too good. Eventually, it comes down to, is my guy better than your guy? So that's really what it's going to come down to this week against the Eagles because that's what Jim Schwartz does. The way he sets up his defense and why it's so effective is that he figures out a way to get one-on-one matchups with those great defensive linemen that they have to work one-on-one. He's good at it. He might be the best in the league at it. And that's going to be, to me, this is a real, maybe prove it game's the right word, but I think uh, a real litmus test. It's a step up, John. It's a step up. I will call it a litmus test because I think they did well against Washington, but again, they had the advantage of getting the lead. You ran the ball more than 30 times, so the offensive line didn't have to, you know, protect a lot on five and seven step drops because the Giants didn't have to use them because they were up. So this, to me, is a real test. Because I, I don't imagine the Giants getting out to a big lead in this game. Now, anything's possible. Carson Wentz gives you the ball. That's very possible. Maybe sure. it happens. But I, I think this is going to be a real, all right, how much progress has the line really made type of game? And that'll give you a good guide of how you're going to deal with them for those three matchups that don't have quite as impressive as players up front leading out of the bye. Yeah, well, I think the last two weeks, Tampa, of course, well, really, three weeks ago, they played Philadelphia, and their defensive front was was pretty much what they have now. The defense hasn't changed nearly as much as the offense has in the last three weeks. Yeah, they're going to have Avante Maddox back and TJ Edwards back. That's pretty much it. Everything else is the same. Yeah, and those are back seven guys. Yep. Okay, so, you know, as far as the front's concerned, I think the Giants have been tested the last – well, really, if you go back even to, to the Washington game on October the 18th, their last four or five games, uh, four games, have all been against, you know, top-shelf fronts. And Dallas has and Dallas has two good defensive ends as well. Like Alden Smith and Demarcus front. Lawrence aren't bad players. No, it's not a bad front. I wouldn't say they're top-shelf right no, now. No, they are not. not. They bad. are not. They are not. Okay. Correct. There's no question. Yes. They're certainly, the Dallas front's certainly better than the teams the Giants will have after the bye. I agree with you there, 100%. I think one of the matchups, and I want to bring this up, John, only because it's a good chance to let people know that Giants first and 10 on MSG does premiere every Friday night. We both have a part in that program, and then it runs uh, several times throughout the weekend. Uh, my my above-the-numbers guy has to do with a matchup. Darius Slay shadowed Darius Slayton. And shut uh, him down. Two catches for 23 yards in that game last month. and And you know what? Slayton is a really, really important factor in the Giants making big plays. Yeah, he is. No question about it. Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants member FDIC. All right, folks, I got one caller on the line. We might have a chance to squeeze in one other one. If you want to get on the horn, you can. Let's go to Andy in Buffalo. He's up next. Hey, Andy. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. What's uh, up, buddy? I'll be quick because I know you're up against it. No, you're okay. Uh, you you, you got plenty I... of time, Andy. Go ahead. Got it. One of the things I've noticed, and maybe you guys have too, it just seems like when we get the play called and we get up and we snap the ball, we get lined up, it seems like we gain you know, better yards or more yards than we do if we just let this clock click down to five seconds and below. I, I don't know. I, I've been watching it lately. 
it kind of it's maddening sometimes. I see teams like the Rams, they seem to get up, they get the play call, they snap the ball, and they, they go, go, go. And we just seem to sometimes lollygag, we hang back, and then you know, next thing you know, we're almost fighting a penalty on a delay of game, or they're just waiting too long. That's just that's just my opinion. Maybe you guys are seeing the same thing. I don't know. But well, I think early think? in some of these games, they have tried to go fast with Garrett, depending on the game. I do think with this particular team, Andy, the way they're structured, and I have not done the, the analytics on how well they do when they go fast and not go fast, so I don't know the answer to that. But I do think there's a worry here for a team that's not a high-scoring team and to some extent wants to do more of a run-oriented, conservative offense where if you go too fast and all of a sudden you punt a couple times and then to the point Paul and I were making before, your pass defense has not been the best this year, then all of a sudden you get down a couple scores. Like if this giant team goes down 14 in the first quarter, it's going to be extremely difficult for them to get back into a game. So unless you have a real good feel for that, that you're going to succeed – with that no-huddle look, I do think, Paul, that there is a large level of risk, if it doesn't work, to put yourself into an early hole. And, by the way, you have an inexperienced quarterback, an inexperienced center calling out protections where you might want them to take some extra time there to get the right mic and set guys up the right way pre-snap. Yeah, I think you have That's to also point. keep in mind, especially during the first half of the season, this defense had a lot of moving parts. Not only do they substitute a whole lot to try to create matchups, but they got a bunch of new guys on this defense that, that weren't here before, you know, with a whole new system. And so every time you do what you're suggesting, and then as John said, if it doesn't work out, you're not only putting a lot of pressure on your offensive guys to make sure they execute properly and quickly, you're also setting your defense up into some pretty precarious spots. Understandable. And uh, one other question, guys, and then I'll let you go. Um, it just seems like the last few games I've seen late in the game a lot of three-man rushes and with the game on the line, and we're not even getting close to these guys. Sometimes they send a guy kind of delayed, but they're still not getting there. We're getting picked apart. And I know we're one, you know, we're two and seven, but prior to this, you know, we were one and seven. And it's like, why aren't they, why wouldn't they send an extra guy? You're not getting there to begin with. So why not send an extra guy? You're, you're getting, you're giving up first downs late in the game, and it's usually with the game on the line. And I've noticed that, and I don't know why. It's almost like a prevent defense, and they, they just they sit back, they drop eight, and they still the other team still gets the first down on a fairly consistent basis. And have you noticed that too, or what are your thoughts? Paul, you could take that one. I mean, thank you, Andy. No problem, thanks, guys. I, I, I know that they're trying their best to, to play out the game in their heads, and then the way the game kind of flows and the situations of the game does tend to lean them into certain tendencies. I, I'll say this. I've had comments filtered at me that said, well, why is it that so many times it looks like the Giants aren't necessarily covering a guy? Because it looks like their zone is just too, too widespread or it's too soft. And I'll come back and I'll say, okay, well, did you look at the situation? Did you look at the trend of what's going on in the game at that point, the field position? How many guys did they rush? There'll be times, if you watch, John, I, I, I know you've seen it, there'll be times when, let's say, uh, Coach Graham will send a five- or six-man pressure package and they're playing zone in the backfield. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know why? Because he's thinking his six guys are going to get there. Well, he's, he... think, he's thinking the pressure's going to work and, and they won't necessarily have to make a play in the secondary. He's counting on his guys to get to the quarterback. Well, and I think he's also very nervous, to be quite, to be quite honest with you, Paul, that if you play man in that spot and you're either in one safety high with very little yeah. help or— Susie, or no, Susie or, the horse is out of the barn. Or, yeah, or you have no safeties high. You know, it, look, let me put it this way. If you're an opposing team— and you see the Giants late in the game sending a blitz at you, right? And you're going to see single coverage across the board. You are going to lock in on the rookie slot in Darnay Holmes, or you're going to lock in on that corner across in James Bradbury. And the question I'll have for Giant fans, do you trust those guys to cover one-on-one against the other team's slot receiver and second-best wide receiver? Do you trust them? Uh, I'm queasy. I think so is Patrick Graham. <laughs> and I, no, so look, did we answer the question? Hey, hey look, and 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 this isn't trying to insult these guys as as coverage guys or players, but I mean, for example, this week you're going against Philadelphia. Do you like the idea of Isaac Yadam playing one on one with with Jalen Rager or Alshon Jeffrey on on one side of the field, or even Travis Fulgham on one side of the field with you know one safety high? Do you trust? 
you know, against Dallas, yeah. CeeDee Lamb going one-on-one against Darnay Holmes? Do you trust against Tampa? Mike Evans going one-on-one against one of your guys or Chris Godwin? I mean, those are tough, tough matchups. And I get it. It's frustrating to fans to see them hang back in a zone. But the last thing you want to do, especially when you theoretically have the clock as your friend at the end of some of these games, is to give up a chunk play. That's the easiest way to lose these games, to give up a chunk play on, on some of those late drives where it's, it's close and, and the time's running out. And look, I mean, if you just look at the end of that Eagles game, right? They literally, Philadelphia, on that play where they threw it to Boston Scott for the touchdown, the Giants had helped coverage all over the field. They had two safeties deep. They had help in the middle of the field. And what did Carson Wentz do? He found the one spot, the one spot on the play where there wasn't any help. And that's yep. the matchup he targeted. And if you start sending blitzes, guess what? That's what you have all over the field. And that gets really dangerous really fast. I would, uh, I would add one thing about Yadam. And I know they got him just before the season started from the Broncos in a deal. The, the knock on him, okay, is that when he came out of school, he was a press corner. And the Broncos played a ton of zone. And it didn't fit his style. This is much like the situation when the Giants got Ross Cockrell from the Steelers a few years back. And, and he was playing a lot of zone in Pittsburgh, and it wasn't working out well because he was a press corner. He gets to the Giants, they play press corner, and he actually looked pretty good until he left as a free agent. The thing with Yadam, if he's a press corner, well, it, is it any wonder that he's not actually performing to the level you want the last few weeks. But is he a good but, playing a lot of snaps in zone? But is he a good press corner? Well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know really the answer to that, John. Neither, neither do I. I, I don't just know, know that. I just know that that was supposed to be his strength, and you know, as as Coach Graham says, and Coach Judge has said this too, it's not just what the player does well. Because if you tailor it to what he does well, maybe it doesn't fit what the rest of the defensive scheme does well. So by necessity, in those spots, in those situations, they're playing a lot more zone than I think they would really like to. And unfortunately, I do think that is to Yadam's detriment. Again, I haven't seen him play a lot of man because since he got here, he hasn't had a chance to do it. I didn't. But supposedly, that's what his his uh, attributes are. Yeah, I didn't recheck it, but at least as of Tuesday morning, uh, just in that Washington game, the Giants played single high cover one defense four times in the game. I mean, that's how little that they're playing right. man at this point. And Patrick M was actually asked this at his presser like a week ago, I think, and they were kind of asked, you know, how do you? And I think Dan Duggan asked a question. I thought it was a good one. Is that what do you do? on these third downs. How do you decide whether or not you're going to play zone or whether or not you're going to play man? And I thought Patrick Graham's answer was interesting. He goes, well, look, obviously it depends on the team you're playing, who the receivers are, who their quarterback is, who your players are. You know, that's a given. But he said, look, and if I'm sitting on at the pool over the summer and I'm thinking about third downs, I'm thinking I'm worried about sitting in a zone defense. Because I'm afraid a good quarterback is going to be able to find the holes and and sure. and pick you apart a little bit. So I think that kind of betrayed the fact that if he could play a little bit more man to man in these spots, and he by the way he does play man in a lot of these you know situations on third down. When he does play third down, it's usually on second and third and long, because I think that's when he does not want to let the quarterback sit back there and 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 be comfortable. That's when he mm-hmm. plays it most of the time. But I just I think it shows that right now. What best fits this team, especially with those multiple safeties, Paul, that they trust in covers like a Logan Ryan and a Peppers, you want to give Logan Ryan the chance to read the quarterback a little bit. So I think that all lends itself to being more of a zone-heavy team right now. And even though the pass numbers, as I mentioned earlier in the show, aren't where you want them to be, they're still a lot better than they have been the last couple of years. Oh, there's no question. And and to be honest, I also am really curious. We talk about with, with, with Sims earlier about what would the Giants running game have been all season if Barkley was healthy. Well, John, what do you think the Giants secondary might have been if McKinney was here the whole season? Well, the problem is that that takes Logan Ryan off the field. It does. And it he's does. been great. And and that's really, that. yeah, that's the bad part of that equation because you, you can't talk about one without the other. And Logan Ryan, I hope he resigns here. I hope he stays. I think he's got a lot of football left. I think I agree. he's a terrific guy, and I think he's a great teammate. And I, I would love to see him, McKinney, and Peppers in a three-safety package. I think that would be just terrific. I, I did see something this week, and I don't know if it makes a difference to the caller at all because it really doesn't explain anything. But the Giants were averaging something like 27 seconds per snap this year, 
which I believe was somewhere right in the middle of the NFL in terms of speed of play. You mean in terms of like there is, time off the play clock? Like Are you talking about like time off the play clock between plays? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't I don't even know where I would find that, to be honest with you. I have no I idea. I saw it somewhere, and I can't remember where, John. And and it was, tw- yeah, 27 seconds uh, for the Giants to get a playoff. And, and it, again, it, it was smack in the middle somewhere. It was somewhere between, like, 16, 17, 18, something like that. So it wasn't, like, so dramatic that I, I made a note of it and said, oh, you know what, this is really something odd. I better investigate it. You know, they were in the middle. A couple other notes, Paul, and you mentioned this during Phil's spot, but the fans didn't hear it. Devontae Freeman is going to try to go full speed today, so they'll see where he is, and if he's good to go, he will obviously you know, play, and then they got to figure out what they're doing with the running backs. But as you mentioned, Alfred Morris, if he gets called back up, it's the third time, and then he'll have to end up you know, being on the active roster. So yeah. that's a decision they're going to have to make. It'll be a tough one. And I know we didn't get a ton into the Eagles, Paul, but this is, is going to be a, a pretty tough game this week. Eagles are a good team. Uh, I think if the Giants are going to win, they're going to have to force Carson Wentz into some of those mistakes he's made over the course of the season. If they could do that, they got a shot. Um, and I think that's probably your best shot here going against an Eagles team that could have pretty much their starting offensive line if Isaac Samalu plays. He was activated uh, for practice this week for the first time since week two, which is a real long time for the Eagles. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt, John. When you look at the Philadelphia Eagles hex over the Giants, and the numbers are now just so outrageous, 21 out of the last 25 times they have beaten Big Blue. And honestly, three weeks ago at the link, when they had the two-score lead with five minutes to go, and that was a banged-up Philly team, if you were ever going to get them, that was the time yeah, to do it. I agree. And I, I don't feel as good about this matchup for the Giants this weekend as I did a month ago. But again, the Giants are playing good football. So if they play clean football the way they They did against Washington, do not turn the ball over. And it's an NFC East team. Look, these NFC East teams, there's not a ton separating them, all right? I mean, there's a reason the rest of the league's kind of beaten up on the division a little bit. So play well, see what you can do, and and, and maybe you walk away with a win. Paul, really fun show. I appreciate it as always. Good stuff. Excellent show today, John. Looking forward to uh, everybody uh, enjoying a good game. And make sure if you didn't hear the whole program, check it out on the archive. Sims was outstanding as usual. Yeah, and you can find the entire Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank, on those archives at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and on all your favorite podcast platforms. And again, at the start of the show, we posted on YouTube as well, was the Sims Spotlight, which was brought to you by Bigelow T. Grab a mug and T proudly. Everybody, thanks for being with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. No, sorry, we're not picking up the phone right now, guys. <laughs> that is my home phone. I apologize for that. Thank you for being with us. Uh, I will be with Eagles tomorrow, and we'll do more of a hardcore look at the Eagles heading into the game on Sunday. Stay dry and stay safe, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow at noon.